Rexwickers are standing on a bowling. All around the Rexwickers are standing on a bowling. All around the Rexwickers are standing on a bowling. All around the Rexwickers are doop, doop, doop. Hello everyone, and welcome to Cast and Wax. My name is Rory Sinjin, and I am your host for this uh, evening, and for uh, this episode, and perhaps for the future, um, but we uh, shall, I suppose, see. Um, with me as, uh, you, you know, you can you can stop. Yes, um, thank you. So, with me here is Mr. Scape White. Say hello, Scape. Hey, everybody, how are you doing today? Um, I think everyone is good. Well, no, I should say, I think probably our listeners are good. Um, everyone is clearly not good. Uh, that is why there's only two of us on the show today. Uh, we, we used to be a robust series of co-hosts with, uh, with four entire co-hosts, you know. Uh, but now we are down to two, so we've been halved at this point. Uh, of course, Mr. Frank Allen uh, has been missing for quite some time. And, uh, well, it turns out uh, we haven't had a show in a few weeks because um, I was waiting to get contacted by Jordan. But it turns out Jordan's been kidnapped, rather, so... So um, he's not able to host the show right now. Now, Scape, uh, Jordan is, of course, your father. Uh, how do you feel about this state of events that he's been kidnapped? Well, uh, I'll tell you, uh, it's not the worst thing that I've ever had happen to me. <laughs> well, that's, I'm, I mean, that's not a very nice thing to say. Clearly, you care about your father, so I don't know why you would you know, say it's not that bad to have him kidnapped. No, no, no. I mean, well, okay. I don't, I'm not happy that he's kidnapped because I, I wish that he could be here with us right now to hang out and to give me much for the special. But, uh, what, the reason I'm saying it's not so bad is because, um, do you remember that I have rock school? Do you remember that? Yes, of course. Yeah. For the listeners who are just uh, joining the podcast, uh, Scape is enrolled in the Rock Institute of Rock, a, an institute in London, where he learns how to be a a rock star and how to write rock music. Uh, yes, I, I do remember that. Yes. Right. And so you remember how I was going to, I was doing like a, f- a thesis? Feces. No, a f- thesis. A thesis. A thesis, yes. Thesis, yes. Right, yes. You were working on, I believe you were doing an adaptation of The Call of Cthulhu as a rock musical, a rock opera or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Basically like that. But here's a thing. Uh, I, with my dad kidnapped, uh, I can't do it. So well, wait, no, why does that? Why does that stop you? Why would your father being kidnapped stop you from recording? Uh, because, Rory, because I'm only a cat. I, ha- I don't have fingers. I can't hit the record button. I mean, I could hit the record button, I guess, with just my paw, right? Tap like that, but I can't play instruments because I don't have fingers. I can't. I. I mean, I write the songs, but I don't. I can't play them. So then, why don't you just write them in notation? I can't. I can't write them like that. I can't write them down. I can only write them like this by going. All right, Dad, do this part. Yeah, so I could do that, and then he could pray it, but I can't pray it, and I can't write it down with a pen because I don't have a pen. Well, I could give you a pen. Yeah, I don't have fi- I don't have fingers to hold a pen, so I can't, and I don't know how to write music down on papers. I don't know how to write anything on papers. I don't know how to read papers. I can't do it without my dad. He he's like helping me. Well, I'm just saying. All I'm saying is, it seems a bit unfair to me that you know you're relying on him. To do your work for you. No, 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 that's not fair. I have a, I have a disability, okay? And you're making fun of my disability. I'm not making fun of anything. And I, what disability do you have? Well, I don't have fingers. I don't see. That's not. A, I don't believe that's. A, no, no, that's not a disability. That I mean, you're. I mean, that is a disability if if someone doesn't have fingers, of course. You know, but to say that you don't have fingers. I mean, you're not supposed to have fingers. You're a cat. Yeah, but a rock person is supposed to have fingers. Yes, but you're not really a person. You're a cat. A rock cat does not have fingers. Right, and so a rock cat has to have a dad help him out. Look, I don't understand why you're giving me a hard time. The teacher said it was okay. The teacher said, I'm sorry your dad got kidnapped. You must be really distressed. Turn it in next semester. How about that? Well, I'm, you know, of course, I'm distressed as well. He was my friend. Not as distressed as me because he's my dad and I can't do my work. That's how distressed I you am. You don't sound distressed. You, you're you angry that I'm saying that I think you should have to do your work, but you don't sound distressed about your actual father being kidnapped. Not to mention we should actually talk about that. Okay, Jordan was kidnapped. Now, we don't know exactly all the details. We do know that he's been missing for a few weeks now, which is, you know, a, li- a little alarming. Um, but we did figure out that he was kidnapped. Now, you might remember uh, an email from Mr. Charles Berman last week. Now, when I say last week, I mean last episode, um, a few weeks ago. And we actually have 
the new email about, uh, you know, the new episodes. Uh, at any rate, it's got clues in it uh, regarding the kidnapping. Not that we really, well, you'll see. Um, here's what it says. Invasion of the podcast people. Dear Jordan, well, I've thought about it. He's not here to answer you, by the way, Charles. I will have to read the email. Hopefully that's all right with you. Well, I've thought about it, and I've decided you were right about the whole morality machine. The important thing is to get people acting the right way and being good to each other. If we can make the world a better place by stopping murder and violence and unkindness, it is certainly worth one little lie or two. I mean, it's up to you if you're too modest for it, but I still want to call it the Jordan D. White Soup Kitchen, Charity Shop, Homeless Shelter, Vocational School and Literary Centre. The thing is, I've been having a lot of trouble getting the bruisers to come back here to staff it. Whenever I actually manage to get in touch with any of them, they just say they're too busy to help because they're on some kind of mission to make the bastard pay or something to that effect. So, I had to recruit a new staff. It was pretty easy. I just had to get a couple of volunteers, and then I threatened to close the whole place down and toss the homeless out on their collective asses if my staff didn't find more volunteers. Volunteers in no time. Of course, I wasn't really going to do it any more than I'm actually going to kill any of them if they quit, but hey, I haven't lost a single staff member. Well, it's about time for some radio serials. Hope you like them. Charles. Right, what Charles has revealed to us here is that the the bruisers, the former Binghamton bruisers, I believe they were called, or something to that effect, are are on a mission to make the bastard pay. I, being the deductive mind that I am and the historian that I am, uh, have compared this to historical documents from previous podcasts where Charles has referred to this, and I believe the bastard that they're wanting to make pay is Jordan, uh, and I believe that they are the ones who have, have kidnapped him. Uh, if I look at the previous episode, the email Charles sent said uh, they, they've given up on the community service stuff, they wanted me to join them in some kind of mission having to do with you, Jordan, and how they want to make you pay. But I demurred. So, so Charles demurred, uh, thankfully. So Charles, thank you for not kidnapping Jordan, but apparently they did. And he also said, actually, uh, at that time, that they had left town together last week. So obviously they were on the road to get him. Um, going back to previous episodes before that, he refers to the people's names, um, their names being uh, Stella, Horace, Fritz, Judy, Gordon, you know, people like that. So these are the people that the police should be looking for. Um, so I think it's pretty clear. There, there has been no ransom note. There's been no anything like that. But, you know, the the, the place, when, when his wife found it, it was uh, ransacked. Not stolen. Nothing was stolen. Just like there were signs of a struggle. And Jordan is missing. So uh, I have deduced with my historical wits that it was these people whose names I just mentioned who did so. My guess being that they waited until they knew that he was at home because he does Twitter usually where he is, you know, things like that. And they knocked on his door, said something like they were Chinese food because he does order Chinese food quite a bit. And then, you know, trounced him, uh, walloped him a few times, tied him up and made off with him. That this is how I interpret the crime scene and the evidence as gleaned through these historical documents. No, that's pretty much what happened. That's pretty basically it. I'm sorry? That's, how, that's what they did. They, they said, Chinese food, come on, let us in. And then he was like, oh, I didn't even order Chinese food yet, but I would, I would like some, I think. So he opened the door, and they were punching him, I think, and kicking a rear bit. Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah? You saw this happen? You saw him get kidnapped? Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm a cat. I, I just hang out in the house. I was lying on the couch. Well, why didn't you say something? About what? About being, him being kidnapped. Like, about what happened. You know, there's police involved, and his wife is worried about him and stuff. Well... I just was, I was tired. I didn't want to talk about it. Escape, that's the most awful thing. The, I've been doing this investigating. Why didn't you tell me? Because, uh, look, you didn't ask me about it. I, I, this is not my responsibility. And it's just a coincidence that it gives me a, an extension. I don't understand why everybody is giving me a hard time. I didn't even bring up the extension. What does that have to do with it? No, look, Scape, if you know about your father getting kidnapped and you don't say anything, that's very naughty. And you don't get any moist food now. Oh, come on, that's not no, there's no, why would I give you moist food for not telling me vital information about the whereabouts of my friend Jordan and your father Jordan? Because, because I did tell you. I just told you now. Yes, but I'd already deduced it all. What's the difference now? It's a bit late for all that, isn't it? Well, I mean, I guess. Yes, yes, you do get... Look, withholding information from the police is a very serious crime. Well, I, crimes are for people. I don't do crimes. Oh, I see. So when it comes to getting extensions, you're all in favor of comparing yourself to a person, but when it comes to crimes, you don't want to, you know, you want to be tried as a cat. Yeah, because I am a cat. Do you have a problem with cats? Are you like a catist? No, not a catist, whatever that is. You mean a speciesist, perhaps. And in which case, yes, I probably am a speciesist because I, I believe that human beings are more important than animals. I mean, it's a reasonable position to take, especially for a human being. That's ridiculous. I don't see why you would be so mean to cats. How about because cats were mean to me? Do you... you 
as you recall, as you've mentioned to me, you forced me to eat cat food. That's not a pleasant thing. Just because you had a little bit of power at one time, does it, I mean, that's why, that's, you know that's why I'm not giving you control of the podcast now. Well, I don't, I don't want control of the podcast now, so I don't care. Of course you want control. Everyone wants control of the podcast. That's the constant back and forth that we have in this podcast, is everyone wants control of the podcast. I know you want control of the podcast because you'd probably invite in robots again and things like that. Well, I'm not letting you do it. I am in control of the podcast, which is why it is going to be a reasonable podcast in which we talk about extra history, we play extra historical events, we listen to the serials that Jordan's got lined up, and we hope that Jordan comes back in one piece. And we let Scaby sing songs. Well, I suppose you can sing songs once in a while. I did let you sing at the beginning of the show. I cannot play the ukulele. So I can't play along with you, but, you know, you can sing once in a while a cappella. Well, then, in that case, I guess it's not so bad, yeah. It's not so bad that your father was kidnapped by people who want to make him pay. Well, I mean, that part is pretty bad, but, I mean, you being in control of the show is not so bad if I get to sing. I could be like, Rory... Do you know you're in control, Rory? Do you know you're in control of the show, Rory? Do you know that you are in control, Rory? Give me all the episodes, yeah! Well, thank you for that. Um, anyway, um... I suppose we should get on with the show. We do have some very special things for you today. Uh, we have an episode of The Diner, which is fun. An episode of uh, Lessons from the Life of Nathan Van Etten. And we have some This Day in History and Where They're Now in History, of course, as always. Then, later, we'll have something even more special. Uh, but we will get to that a little bit later. Why don't we start right now with, you know what, let's start with an important life lesson from the life of Nathan Van Etten. Lessons from the Life of Nathan Van Etten by Pete Bowers, Charles Berman, and Daniel Schwartz. Episode 8 Rape Repulses Nathan Van Etten When one is chewing, the teeth are among the most essential components of that process. There are many things that people chew. Some people chew the fat, some do not. Sometimes, when there is pain in the mouth of one, one's teeth are hurting. To obviate that pain, some go to the dentist. One person who is doing this just now for the first time is Nathan Van Etten. Ah, my invisible compatriot! Clearly you have been observing me for some time now. Yes, Nathan. A very long time. How good to hear that! I'm pretty excited about this new experience. The dentist, Nathan? Yeah, I've never had to go before, but I've heard if your teeth start to hurt, he can fix that. And that is the greatest superpower anyone could have right now, except for laser eyes. Oh, what if he has laser eyes too? Unlikely at best, Nathan. But are you really in that much pain? Oh, yes. My very will to live is being tested. The only thing protecting me from my pain is the anticipation of meeting the dentist. Hey, Nathan. Oh, Jane, the friend of mine who is a girl. Oh, Nathan, I'm so glad I ran into you. I've been looking for you all day. On the street? Yes, on the asphalt so blessed to feel the touch of your feet. I've seen you on the street before, enviously. Well, weird. I have to go now. Aren't you curious what I'm doing? Why, no, but thank you for asking. Oh, Nathan, you're so welcome. I'm collecting signatures for Take Back the Night, but the only signature I could ever want is yours. Why would you take back the night? Did somebody steal it? It's a program designed to raise awareness of violence against women. Well, that seems very sexist. Why don't you just tell people about it? Without the night, it'd be hard to see the moon, as my friend might say. Oh, Nathan, you're so romantic. And so in pain. I must go now to the dentist man. The dentist? Oh, no, how frightening. Well, I don't know how I feel about some guy putting his hands inside me, but I guess as long as he has my permission. You poor, dear, beautiful man. You put up a brave face, but I see the fear in your heart. I know every crevice of your heart. It's beating. It's pounding. Good to know your cardiology classes are paying off. In parting, let me say, get out of my face. Oh, Nathan, I would never be in your face. Unless I knew you craved my touch unceasingly. 
Toodles, off to the dentist! Okay, let's go. What you say? I said, okay, let's go. I will be by your side, giving you the strength to bear this ordeal. Bears notwithstanding, I am in too much pain to argue. Let's go. I will follow where you go. So you have indicated. Good afternoon. May I help you? Nathan Van Etten, dental patient. Right. Uh, Take a seat. We'll call you in when Dr. Face is ready. Splendid. I will prepare myself mentally. Your spirit is an untamed stallion, Nathan. Oh, nice metaphor. Why, thank you, stud. The doctor will see you now, Mr. Van Etten. Oh, please. Mr. Van Etten is my dad. Call me Mr. Nathan Van Etten. Okie dokie do, Space Ranger. Memory is how we recall things. Is this real life? Is this forever? I'm not a queen, Van Nathan. I couldn't say. Where am I? Is this the under where the dentist said I was going to be put? That doesn't even make sense, Nathan. Darn right. Whose bed is this? Why am I naked? Oh, Nathan, you're awake again. Jane, the friendly girl, what happened? Why are you in that robe? Oh, silly. After the dentist gave you some anesthetic, you were unconscious, and your clothes had fallen off. So I took you to the nearest safe place and helped you get comfortable. Safe place? This isn't Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, but that wouldn't have been safe. You might have fallen in the ball pit. That is the idea. But really, where are we? Oh, this? This is my bedroom. I sleep here every night, defenseless, waiting. For what? Oh, that's not important anymore. What matters is that now you're here. You've got me there. Why, yes, I did. Did you manage to find my pants? They were Levi's, of course. Well, I'm sure they're somewhere. The dentist must still have them. What a creep. Don't worry, though. These mannequins are wearing stylish outfits in exactly your size. They look just like me. Why, thank you. That was not a compliment. Saying anything looks like you is a compliment. I can't believe what a creep that doctor was. I put all of my trust in him to touch my mouth only. But now I'm wearing these... Oh, how comfortable. This polyester is so soft. It's alpacable. I raised them in the back. And don't worry, Nathan. Nobody else is ever going to take advantage of you again. Am I glad to hear that. Well, best to get going. I'm meeting my intense friend, Franz, to eat candy canes now that my teeth don't hurt. Have fun, lover. I do love candy canes. Have a nice day, Jane. For you, Nathan, I will. (laughs) There are few things as sweet as sugar, but once sugar is given, it can awaken an insatiable hunger and so- Wait! I think this experience has taught me something. How strange, Nathan. Go on. I've learned that you should be very careful with whom you trust. Doing things to people without their permission is really horrible and makes people feel bad. I'm never going to see the dentist again! Trust is how we know we can count on someone. Counting is how we determine quantity. Perhaps you will possess a quantity of trust that we will return next time with another lesson from the life of Nathan Van Etten. In that lesson from the life of Nathan Van Etten, the narrator was Jack Kunrat, Nathan Van Etten was Mickey Weishner, Jane was Erin Morrissey, and the secretary was Carl Bernhardson. Hello and welcome to This Day in History. My name is Rory Sinjin. This is WHRW Binghamton. On May 23rd, 1934, Clyde Champion Barrow and Bonnie Parker were shot to death by Texas and Louisiana state police officers as they attempted to escape apprehension in a stolen 1934 Ford V8 near Bienville Parish, Louisiana. Let's listen. All right, we've got the suspects surrounded. This is going to be an easy shootout. You all know what they're guilty of, right? 
Absolutely. They're guilty of running away in a car with lots of money. It's worse than that. Worse? How could it possibly be worse? They're cousins, and they're married. What? They're guilty of incest! Hey, cuz. Yeah? While they're busy yelling at each other about how horrible incest is, do you want to sneak out the back door? All right, let's go. I can't believe that related people would engage in sexual relations Calm with down. each other! Calm down. Tom's here with the guns. We can start the shootout. Good. Let's kill the incestuous Hey, I'm Tom. People. I'm so happy I'm, I'm married to you. Money, money, money. I mean, me too. Hey, my name's Tom. Here I am with the guns. All right, let's commence shooting now. Darling, I think our car just blew up. Oh dear. Well, at least we died together until death do us part. Yes, and uh, Bonnie and Clyde did die uh, either right then or sometime later, and it was very difficult for them being apparently incestuously involved with one another. Um, it is important to note in your life that it is illegal to commit incest. And the police may come after you, as it is against the law. This is This Day in History on WHRW, Binghamton. Hello and welcome to This Day in History. My name's Roy Sinjin on WHRW, Binghamton. On May 30th, 1431, at Rouen in English-controlled Normandy, Joan of Arc, the peasant girl who became saviour of France, is burned at the stake for heresy. Before the pyre was lit, she instructed a priest to hold a crucifix high enough for her to see and shout prayers loud enough to be heard above the flames. Woo! Jesus! Yeah, I'm Joan of Arc! Wait, wait, wait! Great deal for those about to be executed! We have a large sum of salvation waiting for you in another country! All we need is an advance fee from you so that you can win thousands and thousands of dollars and freedom from execution! Well, that's great, because I've got an awesome offer for you! Eternal salvation by following our Lord Jesus! Eternal salvation? I love it! I didn't even ask! How do I get it, Joan? Well, you can start by cutting me down! Okay, you can use this wait, wait, John. that I... I have, if you only pay me 60 great payments of 14,000 francs sure. in a slow pace of once per hour, then you can come with me over to New Zealand where there's a large bank account waiting for you once you get the PIN number from our representative in Rouen. This sounds really complex. Joan, Joan. God, it's easy. Joan, God, Joan. Can you just get me out of here, please? Joan, remember that deal with, you know, in, in, with defeating the British if you followed me in the combat M miracle if meow. it's if it's if it sounds too good to be true just like it did then and just like it does now it probably is haha -ha, i was lying burn joan of arc <laughs> but but god you said you'd call um i um uh um uh Suffering orphans, gotta go, bye! And God was never seen again. Remember, if a deal sounds too good to be true, it probably is. This is WHRW Binghamton, with This Day in History. Hello and welcome to This Day in History. On WHRW Binghamton, my name is Rory Sinjin. Did you know that on June 6, 1944, Supreme Allied Commander General Dwight D. Eisenhower gives the go-ahead for the largest amphibious military operation in history, Operation Overlord, codenamed D-Day, the Allied Invasion of Northern France. By daybreak, 18,000 British and American parachutists were already on the ground. As Supreme Allied Commander, I, Dwight D. Eisenhower, am therefore the best, and prove my supremacy over all you run-of-the-mill commanders, soldiers, and militiamen. Yes, Dwight D. Eisenhower. I will haul this artillery piece onto the beaches of Normandy single-handedly, thereby demonstrating my unchallenged might. But Dwight D. Eisenhower, would you like me to help you lift it? No! Did but, you not listen to what I said? But I can be of assistance, Dwight D. Eisenhower. This I young man arms. wants to say something. Yes, permission to speak, sir? Well, I guess. I already pointed you out. Um, you do realize that you're going to have to wade about 20 feet through water that's going to at least be six or seven feet deep. Son, what part of Supreme Allied Commander do you not understand? I have a snorkel, Dwight D. Eisenhower. I am the Supreme Allied Commander. Johnson, strap this artillery piece to my back. Let's begin this mission. Okay, here you go, Dwight D. Eisenhower. You're not Johnson, you're Sims. I'm Sims Johnson. Oh.
How embarrassing. It's all right. He was, in fact, more embarrassed when he drowned in the six to seven feet of water under that very heavy piece of artillery. Make sure that you, being even less strong than a Supreme Allied Commander, do not lift heavy objects by yourself. Seek assistance if necessary. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. You know, that reminds me of a story. My name's Rory Singer, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. And this brings to mind the very relevant story about what happened to Joan of Arc when she was in hell. Because she was abandoned by God, of course, she did go to hell. And she was submitted to lots of terrible punishments. One of them was that she had to lift a huge, enormous rock all by herself. And she said, I would prefer, you know, to ask someone for help with this if I could. And the demons, of course, said, no, you can't. That's part of the, the point. One should always ask for help lifting a heavy thing. But, you know, we're trying to punish you in hell, so you're not allowed to. This left her in terrible back pain. You know, she, she did awful things to her physiology. You know, her doctor said this was not a good idea, but of course there was nothing she could do. She would complain about it to her secret lover, who was, of course, her brother, uh, John of Arc, with whom she was having an incestuous affair. She always waited until all of their inbred, disgusting, horrible, mutated children were in bed before she complained about it, but she did bring it up to him and say, you know, I don't really like lifting this rock. I wish I didn't have to lift it all by myself. But there was nothing John could do, unfortunately, so, you know, Joan had to deal with it. One day, however, Satan did come along, and Satan did say to her, Joan, you know, I do have an idea. Uh, I could actually get lots of people to help you lift the rock, if that's all right with you, and if that's something you desire, all you'd have to do is sign this paper here with a with bunch of words. Don't bother reading the words, you know. I'll be able to have people help you lift the rock, so that's all that you really need to know. And Joan said, oh, that offer sounds almost too good to be true. So she signed it, and it turned out that what she was actually agreeing to was to having all her mutant inbred children lift the rock, and her lying underneath it until, at such a point when the mutant inbred children could no longer hold the rock, they would drop the rock on her, and that would be her new punishment. So the fact is, when something is too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. So keep that in mind when you're not having inbred sexual relations, and making sure that other people can help you, since you're not in hell, with lifting heavy items. My name is Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History? I'm Cast and Wax. The Diner, created by Angela Tymon. Written by Angela Tymon, Pete Bowers, Charles Berman, Daniel Schwartz, and Mickey Warshner. Episode 4, Meatscapades. Life at the diner had settled into a routine. A routine of constant unpredictability, day after day like clockwork. I would come in, and day after day, something different would happen. It was a soul-grinding holocaust of novelty. Which brings me to the day Bernadette sculpted. What, what, what is she doing? Uh, who? Me. No, Bernadette. Oh, new, new girl. Why is she sculpting an octopus sword fighting itself? Oh, that's what that is. Still didn't answer me. Uh, we asked her to fill the salt and pepper shakers. And this is what she came up with? <laughs> I know. She's been going at it for hours. She used all the liverwurst and now she's onto the pastrami. Okay, well, why didn't you stop her? I... I thought it was an homage. To me. Hi, Jan. Look what I made. It's a Viking wielding two sharks. Wow, you are so wrong, but good job. Thanks, it is something. It's something, all right. Oh, so meet statue aside, what's the game plan for today? Why are you asking me? Because Carter's not here? Which is exactly why I haven't done anything yet today. You guys opened today. That's why the door is unlocked. Okay, never mind. That's been working all day. Well, I'd better make myself a sandwich before the lunch rush. Yeah. When's he coming? Who? I don't know. Okay, here we go. Sandwich, 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 sandwich. This is the sandwich song. Which song, the sandwich song? Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give it to me, baby. Just like that. Slide your salami between my loaves of bread. But I guess it'd actually be slices and not loaves. Lay down your swears, I want your hoes. Hoes, slice the tomatoes thick and juicy, like something thick and juicy. And then, 
the lettuce. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. Give me a sweet, sweet sauce, yeah. And now I put it Sandwich, 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 sandwich. This was a sandwich song. Hey! I'll be in my bunk. Did you say something? No, nothing. Jan, what are you doing with that carnivorous narwhal reproduction? What, you mean the meat fish? Don't presume to know what I mean. Just get over here and help me fill the salt and pepper shaker. Just a minute, I gotta put my sandwich in the fridge. Fine. One second customers are without salt and pepper. Two seconds customers are without salt and pepper. Three! Alright, I'm here! Good. Now that you're here, I need you to sort the onions. By what? By three o'clock. I mean, by when? I don't know, Jan. Do I look like a professional onion sorter to you? One who sorts, organizes, and catalogs onions? By shape, by color, by pungency, by author, by have lives, by three o'clock! Are you still open? Why, yes, open. Ready to do business. Ready to serve you and other customers. There are waiters and waitresses at the ready with excellent customer service skills that I gave them. Observe the sights, the smells, the perfectly folded napkins, the flawless, spotless countertops, the specials written on this backlit board with neon pens for you to read. You will notice the tables with the chair in which to sit while you eat. The menus for you to order from. The fluorescent sign that proudly displays the word open in capital letters to indicate our openness. So yes, yes, we are open, sir, for business. Fuck you. Why does that keep happening? I don't know, maybe- I wasn't asking you, Jan. Oh, those give me gas. Exactly. Am I right? I'll help. Yes. Yes, I am right. You would understand that if you spent more time sorting onions and less time on the other things that I tell you to do. Anyway, we have no customers. Coming in. To the diner. To eat. Customers. None. We have. Yes. Well spotted, Jan. You have precisely three more brain cells than I assumed you had, namely four. But that doesn't matter. But what does matter is me and my plan to hire a business consultant for us at the diner to have to hold here at the diner. Consult. Consort. Why do we need a business consultant? We have Steve. Ha! Ha! Steve is not a business consultant, he is the co-owner. Besides, if Steve had any good ideas, I would have implemented them. And if he were any good at implementing plans, he would have implemented mine. Clearly, he is not the right man for the job. Therefore, what we need is a woman. Did I hear something about implanting a woman? You did, Cull. Now I'm off to make a classified ad in the newspaper for a business consultant. I can't tell you what's in it. It's classified. Ha, ha, ha. I'm going to go laugh in the conservatory with the wrench. He really loves that wrench. I only know some Spanish. So, playing with meat, huh? Is that hard? The two of diamonds. I could say anything to you right now, couldn't I? No, the eggnog went bad. Let's go fuck in the back room. Sure, I'll get some condoms. I can't believe that worked. Thank you for calling the diner. This is Mike. Yeah, but it's okay. She misheard me. She did not mishear you. I will be there in 0.2 seconds to chop your off and your off if you even think about taking advantage here. Whoa, you can read my mind? Focus, Mike. Your is at stake. Hmm, and I don't want to end up like that meat sculpture. No, you don't. Love you. How does she do that? It's okay. I have to finish my abstract flesh construct. It's a bunny. Hey, everybody. And all of you at home. Oh, look at that object there. Uh, you've been working on that meat thing for quite some time now. I, you must be tired. Fired? But why? Uh, I never said that. I never touched that. Tell me about it. Hey, are you guys open? What is that apex of aesthetic creation my eyes do spy? I'm not sure what you're referring to. Can't you see it? It is the soul child, emerging from the god womb. 
and the child god emerging from the soul womb all at once. It is the embodiment of life and death and life again. It is all things great that stand in between the veil of this reality and the unknown. What, the meat pile? See, 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 see how the vaginas caress the fluid tendrils in a timeless metaphor for the soul-crushing monotony of working in a diner where nobody understands you. Oh yeah, I still don't see it. Uh, she made it. It must be mine. Mine must be it. It will be me. I will cloak myself in the vestige of this carnal genius. What? Here is $10,000. But I'm not a prostitute. You are a prostitute of vision. You owe your brilliance to the public. I don't shave, I wax. You must spread your creativity like the metaphysical STD that ravages your brain loins. Okay. So I take it you're leaving then? You can't fire me, I quit. Didn't that meat belong to the diner? And now it belongs to the world. Say, where's Matthew Nichols? Entrepreneur? He went out to look for a business consultant. Hey, I thought that was my title. Sorry, Steve. Apparently you have to be a woman. Ah, well, you know, that makes sense. Does it? No. You're still gonna let him push you around like that, huh? I I walked into a door! I was asking for it! Well, I I guess this means we're down a person. Oh, well... I'll go call Matthew Nichols, entrepreneur. I'll put the help wanted sign back in the window. Now where did I put that sandwich? I never got to finish that sandwich. In that episode of The Diner, created by Angela Tymon, Jen was Angela Tymon, Matthew was Daniel Schwartz, Mike was Jordan Randall, Steve was Pete Bowers, old Jen was Julia Kelly, Melissa was Cheryl Casey, Meat Guy was Ed Jones, Bernadette was Jessica Miller, Customer 1 was Charles Berman, and Customer 2 was Bailiff Quimby. And I thank myself for saying that, but uh, now it's time to move on with the rest of the podcast. Uh, so, Escape, uh, how much did you enjoy uh, that episode there? Well, uh, I'll tell you what, I liked the part about meat. But I didn't like that they didn't eat it. I mean, I guess I'm okay with that they didn't eat it, but I didn't like that I didn't eat it, basically. Uh, So you're upset that you didn't get to eat the meat in the fictional podcast there? that would have been, actually, that would have been a good version if what happened was, like, they're going around and they're like, oh, there's a sculpture of meat, blah, 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 blah. And then then there's the door, ding-a-ding-a-ding-a-ding, and I come in and I'm like, hey, everybody, are you guys open? And they'll be like, uh, yeah, that's what we are, open. And I go, hey, is that a pile of meat for me to eat? And they go, sure, I guess. And I'll be like, okay. Right, well, um, but that didn't happen, so, uh, you know... I suppose... That's why I'm saying, that's, you're right, it didn't happen. That's why it's not as good an episode as it could have been. So, Angela, I think next time I should eat all the meat. Well, I don't, I don't think that's going to make any sense. The diner is a, is a fictional, you know, world and you are in the real world. So it, how, how strange would it be for you to show up in a fictional episode of a show? It doesn't make a ton of sense, really. Also, I could have been in that, that episode of Mason Van Etten. I could have been like, hi, I'm the dentist. And, uh... What God, what is a dentist do? Well, as they said in the episode, a dentist, um, you know, fixes your teeth if you have teeth problems. I thought it said about razor eyes. I thought that the dentist has razor eyes. If you mean laser eyes. No, that was something Nathan said. I think he was wrong. Well, okay, but I could be like, I'm a dentist with laser eyes. So, Nathan Van Etten, say ah, and I would zap your teeth with my razor eyes. And he'd be like, oh, we're scraping. Thank you for that. Is that your impression of Nathan Vanetton? Yeah, well, okay. Uh, I'm just working on it. Let me think. Like, oh, scraping. That is the best thing you ever did. That is, I'm so happy that you razorized my my teeth. That's not a very good Nathan Vanetton. Oh, I'm working on it. I'm just, I, this is the first time I've tried it. I'm just working on it. Well, Scapey, how are you today? Well, it's, it's getting a little better, but it's just, it's still a little... You are my best friend, Scapey. Oh, it's just, it sounds disturbing now. I don't think we should do this anymore. But I'm saying if I was the dentist in that, that episode, it would have been a better episode, because I'm good at stuff. Well, uh, fine. Yes, but, uh, both of today's episodes would have been better if Scapey had been in them, I suppose. I, I don't know why we're even... Anyway, um... Hopefully, you know, the people who send them in won't be offended by the fact that you said that. Um, but they might. It would be totally in their rights. Now, um, we do have quite a bit of, uh, listener mail to get to, but before we get to that, um, I'm gonna read one piece of listener mail because it is relevant to the extra special thing we're about to hear. Um, here we are. Progress on the Frank K. 
case. Dear Rory, that's me, thanks for your insights on my business trip to Italy. I think Charles mentioned he would be including a radio episode for you, illustrating how it turned out. Not exactly as I hoped either, but you just have to move on from things like this. Your theory about not Frank Allen being Frank Allen in disguise is interesting, but a little counterintuitive. I suppose I can see the logic, though. However, wouldn't Frank know that if you saw not Frank Allen, you would realise it was actually Frank Allen writing it, and be more likely to write actually the real Frank Allen instead, so you would think it was not him. Still, Binghamton is definitely back on my list of far-flung parts of the world to check for Frank Allen. Slam Jackson, private investigator. Now, Slam, I don't know why you're arguing with me. Clearly, I've shown early in this episode that I was able to deduce things and am, am a very good uh, detecting historical mind. But, fine, that's fine. Um, let's listen to the episode... Uh, Charles did send an episode of a special Slam Jackson episode beginning a miniseries, Finding Frank Allen, once and for all. Um, it's called The Search for Frank, and this is the very first episode. Slam Jackson! Adventurist! The Search for Frank Part 1 Franks and Romans By Charles Berman and Pete Bowers Our story opens, ladies, gentlemen, and Steve With that globetrotting gadfly of greatness Feared and admired famed adventurist Slam Jackson Prego My favorite Humbly admitting the greatness of the Roman Colosseum Wow, the Colosseum really is impressive It makes me feel so... Humble. As eternal as the constant entropic decay and dissolution of the universe, the Colosseum boldly sits there as it daringly broadens our hero's horizons as a traveler. You've got the tickets for La Scala, right? Unfortunately, I do, good buddy. But as Slam Jackson suddenly lost his incomprehensible love for Italian opera... No. But... We've come all this way. We're going to Madame Butterfly. And as our snobbish snubber of the sinister quashes all my hopes of a good time on this trip... Come on! I nonetheless feel compelled to thank him for taking me all the way to Italy. No problem. It's Rory's dime. It's not like you're taking any of my money. Um, yeah. Totally not. So, how's about some lunch over there at that truffle bar? Ah, sure! Slam. Yes? Shouldn't we be looking for Frank? Or clues or something? Like an adventurist might? Sure, but there's no rush. Some clues are bound to turn up in the next week or two. Like that poster? Varieta Frank Allen Programma Investigative? <sighs> Frank Allen Investigative Variety Show? You think it means something good, buddy? Of course it means something. You think it's a clue that could help us find Frank Allen? Yeah. That would be what we would call it. Can you, for once, just be a regular guy? Be a tourist? Look, that's one of the greatest architectural achievements of all time. Man, oh, Manischewitz! Isn't that the Arc du Triomphe? No. No, it isn't. Okay, good buddy. That was some good sightseeing. Yes, it is. Or would be if you weren't seeing sights that were miles away. Listen, I don't get sent to Italy every day. I want a chance to relax. Get away from all those arch- Aha! It is I, Slam Jackson. Oh, God. What? What is it? Nothing. Go ahead. It is I, Slam Jackson. The arch nemesis You bet your life, amazed audience! Slam Jackson's most cowardly of arch nemesis is in broad daylight! <sighs> what are you doing here? What are you talking about? Oh, God, I fled all the way to Europe to get away from you. Oh, dear. Looks like I'll have to fight you today instead of searching all over for Frank Allen. Drat. Fight? Fight? <laughs> and with the haste of a Christmas pudding, the arch nemesis characteristically flees the scene, leaving Slam Jackson nothing to do but... Continue relaxing? Find Frank Allen! Listen, Rome is a huge city, one of the biggest in the world. Just because Frank Allen is on a poster doesn't mean he'll be easy to find. He probably does the show in a studio. What am I supposed to do? Break into the studio? Stand here in the street and yell, Frank Allen? Frank Allen? Hey! 
sapete Frank Allen? Che coincidenza, lo conosco troppo! Davvero? Potete aiutarci a trovarlo? Sono un detective. And with the incomprehensibility of the calculus, Slam Jackson and the stranger who yelled something about him about Frank Allen have a potentially significant conversation that Slam's loyal chronicler is shamefully not privy to. Hey, you speak the English, hey! I was just saying I know a Frank Allen at all. I'm the producer of his nationally popular television show with the variety acts and the murder investigations. Franca Allen's investigative variety show, hey! Gee, what a helpful coincidence. I thought I was going to have to spend grueling weeks investigating beautiful... I'm a private investigator from America, Slam Jackson. Frank disappeared and we've been tracing the checkbook he's been using to try and find him. Accounts in the name of Rory Sinjin. Hey, that's right! The check to pay for the show was in the name of a Rory Sinjin! What a great, a generous guy! Hey! So, can you lead us to Frank? Of course not! Hey! He just sent us the huge check for the airtime! And then he sent us the depths! It's a great deal for us! Hey! Guess Italy is a dead end for you, huh? Yeah, I guess so! But it looks like we can catch a plane right after the opera! Hey! Would you care for to ride on a Frank Allen plane? The check was so big we bought the two! Hey! You bet, stranger! Just so happens, though, I need a tickets to the opera! They're doing the Madame Butterfly! Hey! You give me ticket to sing, I give you ticket to fly! Hey! Wow! What a deal! Here are your opera tickets! Hey! I thought those were in my pocket! How did I get the opera tickets? Why is Italy known for its pickpockets? Where do you tune into Frank Allen's show? Why would you tune into Frank Allen's show? How delicious were those truffles we almost ate? Tune in next time for Slam Jackson! The Search for Frank! In that episode of The Search for Frank, Slam was J.R. Coonrad, the narrator was Mickey Weishner, the arch-nemesis was Lisa Paquette, and the producer was Charles Berman. And let me begin, Slam, by saying shame on you for attempting to bilk me. You know, now, I would say, all right, now, I'm torn. I'm a little torn about this. I'll be, I will admit that, escaping. Oh, um, why are you torn, Rory? Well, thank you for asking. The reason I'm torn is because I want to say, you know, I'm not paying for you to bring some gadabout with you around the country. That being said, if this narrator had not been with you in Italy, apparently you would have ignored vital information about where Frank Allen is. Can you please stick to the case? I'm not paying you to go to the opera. I'm paying you to find Frank Allen. And I'm paying you far too much, in my opinion, but that's, you know, I suppose it will be quote-unquote worth it if we find Frank Allen, and I'm, I'm sure by then the kidnappers will be sick of Jordan and will have Jordan back as well. So, you know, hopefully... We'll be back to a full show and not have me... Well, I mean, I don't... I can't say I mind controlling the show, but... At any rate, that's why I'm torn, Scapey, because I want to say you shouldn't be bringing, you know, random people with you, Slam Jackson, and, and footing the bill to me. Footing the bill to me? Does that make sense? Right, he's kicking the bill to you? Uh, yes, but he's kicking the bill to... I don't want you to bring random people, but at the same time, you know, this person is more on the case than you are. So, are you are you actually not a very good in- investigator? Is that what we're finding? I mean, you know, you did find the clue, and you are on your way to Frank Allen. So I hope this, you know, is just is a minor speed bump on the, on, the, on the route, and probably, you know, next episode you'll have found him, and everything will be all right. So, and I will, you know, get to stop paying you my money, frankly. Do you think that you should pay Sam Jackson to find my dad as well? No, no, because, again, first of all, He's already busy. I didn't want to split his focus. And Jordan was very insistent that I have him find Frank Allen. But, in addition, we don't need him to find... We know where he is. He's kidnapped by these people. I, I had their names, or their first names. Charles can probably provide the rest of their names. So, Charles, I expect that you'll be getting another visit from the police. I know you're not fond of that, but, you know, these things do happen. And hopefully you'll be able to help them find Jordan. So that, that way, you know, he's not kidnapped forever and he doesn't get hurt. Well, okay, but do you think... Okay, do you think, Rory, that they would expect me to, like, turn in... 
my thesis, like, immediately as soon as he's found, or what? Well, I mean, probably not. As as a teacher, I will say, if I was going to grant you the excuse, which I would be reluctant to do, but if I was going to grant you the excuse that you can't turn in your thesis because your father's been kidnapped, I, I suppose I would have to give you a bit of time after he gets back to, you know, do the recording, you know, all, all of the things that you would that you were not able to do when he was gone. And presumably, he would probably need some time to recover from being kidnapped. Hopefully, he won't be injured in such a way he can't play the ukulele, you know. But if he is, you know, he'd have to heal. So, I don't expect they'd want it right away. I, I'd expect that you have a little bit of time. Oh, good, good. <laughs> that is a good thing. But that's not an excuse not to... I mean, you should... I'm assuming that you have it all written and planned out by now, correct? Well, I... Uh, yeah. I do. So if I was, like, singing it a cappella, you'd be able to sing it a cappella right now? Well, well, yeah, I would be able to, but you really shouldn't ask me that, because that's, like, a spoiler. A spoiler? Yes, because it's, like, giving away what I'm going to do before I do it, so I don't think you should do that. I'm going to keep it secret so that when everybody hears the song for the first time, they're like, oh, I'm basking in it. I can feel it taking over me. Is that the intention, to have the song take over you? Well, you know what I mean. I don't want to give it away ahead of time, okay? That is what I'm trying to say. So, can we just drop that, please? I suppose I suppose we can. All right. Um, now, we do have a couple more emails. Um, this one, speaking of Slam Jackson, this one is about Slam Jackson. Ooh, I'm the world's biggest Slam Jackson fan, but also the world's biggest Rory and Scape fan. That's us. Yeah, I like hearing about fans of mine. I can't wait to hear their Slam Jackson episodes when they write them. And do you think Patsy would write one? I mean, question mark. Because they had put a, an exclamation point after Patsy would write one, and then so they said, then they said they mean a question mark. The world's biggest slam, Rory and Scape fan, Julie Babelotta. P.S. Jordan, if you write one, it would be cool too. Well, Jordan obviously is not going to write one. I had forgotten we had been talking about writing Slam Jackson episodes. Do you remember that? Yeah. Okay. Well, here's here's one I, I'm writing. Okay. Wait, you're going to tell him about the one that you're writing? That's a spoiler. You just said you didn't like spoilers. Well, this was fun because Rory, remember I said I can't write. So I'm going to tell it right now, and then somebody else write it down, and then Sram Jackson, you can record it. Okay. Uh, here's how it goes. Sram Jackson. Adventurist! Uh, the moist food is going to go in Scape's mouth by Scape White. Oh, uh, once upon a time, there was a guy named Sram Jackson. He was adventurist, okay? <laughs> That's pretty good. But here's what happened. Uh, he was walking along. Oh, by the way, hey, Sram Jackson. And then Sam Jackson's like, hi, everybody. And then I go, I mean, the narrator goes, hey, uh, yeah, so anyway, he was walking down the street and he said, oh, look, it's Scapey. That's what Sam said. And Sam's like, oh, look, it's Scapey. Uh, how you doing, Scapey? And Scapey, that's me. I go, I'm pretty good, Sam Jackson. How are you? And he goes, well, I'm pretty good, but I have a problem. Oh, what is your problem, Sam? I will help you with any problem you have. Well, the problem is that I have two bowls of moist food, and I don't know what to do with them. Oh, says I, Scapey. I, I have a perfect idea. I could solve both of our problems, because I, too, have a problem. Oh, says Sam. What is, what is your problem, Scapey? My problem is I am so hungry that I could eat two bowls of moist food. And Sram says, so what is the solution to this problem? I don't understand. And the narrator goes, thinking with thinking this that Scapey does, Scapey was like, that is the sound of computations in his brain. And then he spat out, by which I mean said, the solution. Here's what we do, Sram Jackson. You take those two bowls of moist food. And Sram goes, uh-huh. And then I go, and you put him on the ground, right there. And he goes, uh-huh, okay. And he puts him down. And then I, Scapey, will eat him. Hum, nom, 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 And then I do that for a while because I'm eating two whole bowls, okay? <laughs> That's pretty good. Two bowls of moist food is a, a good amount. And then while I'm eating, Sram Jackson goes, so how do you like it? And then the narrator goes, how does he like it? I bet you he thinks it's good. That's how. So, Sram Jackson, Avengerist! Thank you. To end. Uh, well, all right. Uh, that was a, a good Sam Jackson episode. Uh, uh, Judy, uh, hopefully you enjoyed that. I, 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 I mean, I suppose they don't need to record it now because you've just performed the whole thing. No, 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 no. They still need to record it because I, I mean, yeah, I did a good job. 
But it's better when the narrator is the guy who is the narrator and Sram Jackson is Sram Jackson. But I could still play Scapey. That's what I think. Well, I suppose I suppose you could. Um, all right, well, I don't know, you know, Sam Jackson, if you want, you can record that episode, uh, I suppose. Uh, at any rate, uh, that was a letter. Thank you, Judy, for your letter. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to actually write one. Scape's already written one. There we are. Jordan's kidnapped. Uh, here's another letter. Uh, this one is, Dear Mr. White, it's not talking to you, though, Scape. I believe it's talking to your father, who's kidnapped. Uh, Dear Mr. White, I was enjoying your podcast last week and noticed that you included at the end a song about my characters Harry Potter and Draco Malfoy. I insist that you cease all such actions, remove the recording in all its forms from your website, and issue apology at once, or legal action will be necessary. Thank you in advance. J.K. Rowling. You know, you know, J.K., I, I know you and I are, are chums, so let me just give you some friendly, friendly advice, because we, 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 we move in the same circles, you understand, Scape? Um, J.K., here's what I'm thinking. I think you should let this go. I don't think you're going to win this suit, because, first of all, Jordan didn't write that song. So if anyone should sue him, it should be the, the writer of the songs of, J- of Draco and the Malfoys. Uh, and Draco and the Malfoys, I think they could successfully argue that it's a parody song. Because while it is based on events in your books, no one could confuse it with the events in your books. And I think, you know, it's quite humorous. So, JK, I think you should just back off. And I know you're sick of me telling you that in multiple situations, but... Um, I think in this case, you know, yes, you should back off. We do have one more letter. Uh, um, greetings, dudes and cats of Cast and Wax. This is from the Schwartzes, it says. Um, thank you so much for coming to our wedding this month and to hear mention of the wedding on the show. It brought up all sorts of warm feelings associated with our special day. It was wonderful to see you all, except Rory. Um, and then there's a part of the letter addressed directly to me. Rory, I cannot believe the accusatory tone you used when suggesting that me and my husband are withholding information from our friends and the police regarding Frank Allen's whereabouts. I'll have you know that we were actually 100% aware of another wedding crasher who was not invited, Nick Tynan. Clearly, you can see how strict our security was. I'm raising my sarcasm hand. Frankly, Frank could have snuck in and may have went round unbeknownst to us. I was too busy paying attention to my friends, family, and husband. To think that I defended you and engaged Daniel in a fight about your attendance that nearly ended our relationship. You should be ashamed. Keep your extra historical reading. Now, that's not very nice. Better yet, please do it on the show. I have a problem. My husband and I have an ungrateful, rude, and cheap friend who doesn't trust us. How should I handle such a D-bag who has hurt our feelings for the last time? Oh, and he also had to get a jab in about how our wedding wasn't as nice as his mother's second marriage. Mama's boy. Die in a fire. And one more thing. He gave away my intellectual property to a stranger. Tool. All right. I mean, before I move on with the rest of the letter, I think I should address this because this is the part directed uh, straight to me. Um, uh, You know, Schwartz is... Um, I suppose this is written by Angela, since it talks about having a husband. Angela, um, that wasn't very nice of you to say. I mean, I was just saying that, you know, it seemed like Frank Allen was there. I thought maybe you would know something about it, that's all. Uh, I wasn't trying to be I wasn't trying to be mean. Uh, I didn't think I was a D-bag. Yeah, so, at any rate, um, for your extra historical reading, um, there is, you'll be happy to know that there is a world where that uh, person that you said all those mean things about is no longer your friend. And in that world... Uh, your marriage ends two days later, and both of you uh, lose your jobs and um, unfortunately die in, in in plane crashes, going to separate places. And and, and I should I should mention that that the, all those things are related to that person no longer being your friend, not because he did them, because he didn't, but because you were mean to him. The, all those other things um, happen. So, thankfully, you don't live in that world. Uh, thankfully, we live in a world where I believe that person is still your friend. So. There you are. Anyway, um, the rest of the letter, rest of the letter. Uh, Scapey, thanks for all the pseudo-well wishes. Your apathy and half-assed kind thoughts mean so much more to us than Rory's anything, or shall I say, nothing. If only he had the manners of a cat. If only he were a cat, and then we could possibly excuse his embarrassing behavior. The Schwartzes, P.S. Jordan, thanks for clapping with one hand. It meant a lot to me. Um, Jordan's not here. He's been kidnapped. So, way to rub it in. Thank you. Um, at any rate, Scapey, uh, they said thank you for your half-assed, you know. Well, you're welcome. So... That's all I can say. I suppose it is all you can say. You're welcome. So, uh, yes, well, hopefully we'll have some better news next week. I, I believe we will be back next week for more podcasting. Uh, I will be here. Scape will be here. Will Frank Allen and Jordan be here? I could only hope that Slam Jackson will do his job and find Frank Allen and that these nefarious bruises will be uh, um, stopped and he'll be returned to us. Jordan, that is. Uh, at any rate, until then, uh, you'll be left... Uh, oh, writing into us, please. Castandwax at gmail.com. Castandwax at gmail.com. Please write to us. We do like 
reading your letters as long as they're not mean, like certain letters sometimes are. Um, but other than that, we do like reading them. In addition, uh, we will leave you today, I believe, with uh, another one of Jordan's covers. Uh, this one, um, a little number written by a band called the Bicycats. It's, a, it's about a chapter from a book called The Bell Jar. Hopefully everyone will enjoy it. Um, at any rate, uh, Jordan didn't write the song, so it's a cover. Look up The Bicycats. You'll enjoy them, I'm sure. And uh, for now, I shall leave you by saying the thing that Jordan always says at the end, which is, um, you know, be seeing you. There's one thing that you never thanked me for, taking you to a country club out in the island. Suit for you, and you treat me like a Neanderthal out in the suburbs. I take you out, I have a smoke, I bite your dress, you punch my nose, well, you insulted my honor, and I want my diamond back. I kept on ordering those drinks for you that you seemed to like, but you wouldn't dance, not even the tango. She wants to be a man, but she doesn't love me But she's just a woman I take you out, I have a smoke I bite your dress, you punch my nose Well, you insulted my honor And I want my diamond back Find your friend She can drive you home Cause I don't give rides to sluts No sluts in my car No sluts in my car There's one thing that you never thanked me for Taking you to a country club Out in the island I want my brand new suit for you And you treat me like a Neanderthal out in the suburbs I take you out I have a smoke I bite your dress You punch my nose Well, you insulted my honor And I want my dog